follow the healing journey of a female full-time traveler going through a spiritual awakening. We'll talk about facing the fears of walking away from a life that no longer serves you, healing from codependency, people-pleasing, and toxic relationships, as well as the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of living life on the road. If you feel stuck in a life you don't want, this podcast is for you. Hi, everyone. Uh, Thank you for listening. This is now episode six of the podcast, and I'm going to continue the conversation that I was having in episode five, where we're talking about my marriage, Um, talking about being married to a good man with a drinking problem, um, and what I went through and kind of some of the things that I did to, to work on myself and how the healing kind of started to happen during this time. So I'll continue where I left off, where um, I was talking about the Love Over Addiction podcast and some of the things that I began to put into place from listening to that podcast, some of the things that I got out of therapy um, that I began to put into practice, which was mainly realizing that I need some boundaries, that I need to start sticking up for myself, that I need to start you know, realizing what it is that is going to make me feel more comfortable and more happy in my relationship, more happy in my life. So the boundary setting was one, but another one of it was really starting to focus on myself. What can I do to start healing myself to not be caught in negative um, patterns, negative habits, get away from sitting around and drinking with him when I don't want him to be drinking at that level. So why would I sit around and drink with him? So I started to go to the gym. I actually started powerlifting, which was so amazing, so healing. Um, And it's individual, challenging every single day. Plus, I had um, a group of people that I went to the gym with every day who really became part of my family. If you're listening from Real Gym, I love you guys so much. You're everything to me. Real Gym in Keyport. Check it out. They're amazing. Keyport, New Jersey. Um, so that was a big thing that kind of got me back to being me and my individual self and remembering that I want to take care of my health. I want to take care of myself. And I started going, um, every, every morning and even on Saturdays and Saturdays were like my favorite day. And I love, I would be there for like three hours on Saturday mornings, um, doing SBD squat bench and deadlift. And then I would go home Saturday after the gym and already had a drink in his hand. And it was, again, another big wake-up call for me. Is like, I'm sitting here working on myself, getting better, taking care of me, and he's doing the opposite. And then usually those days were when we would be going to, to see his son or trying to see his son on the weekends. Um, and it would just break my heart that he would already be drinking when we're about to go spend time with his son. And that's when I started to kind of say some things to him, which didn't work because he just looked at it as judgment, um, and didn't want to be judged or didn't want to have to think about his actions and have someone telling him that he should be acting differently. So he just kind of pushed me aside and did what he wanted to do. And I didn't push the subject because again, I didn't want to get in a fight. So I just let it go and kept going on with my life. But again, I focused on myself. I said, I don't have, if he is in a bad mood or if he is drunk, I don't have to let that ruin my day. I can keep doing what I need to do. 
Um, and I tried to stay in a positive place. I tried to focus on myself. I decided, you know, I'm not going to drink just because he's drinking. I don't have to pick up a drink because he has one. And that was a big change for me because I really did feel like I kind of had to at one point. I kind of felt like, well, if he is, I will. And that obviously would have brought us down a terrible path, even worse than what we were on. So I, I worked on me. And even like at night when he would be, you know, getting really, really drunk, I used to stay up and stay up late and wait for him to go to bed and deal with whatever would happen. And instead I started to say, I'm going to bed. Bye guys. Whoever was over, whoever we were hanging out with, I've realized, you know, they're not my responsibility. And if I don't want to be in this situation anymore, I don't have to be, I can put myself to bed and anyone who hung out with us towards kind of the end of our marriage knows I, I would, I would put myself to bed and people would hang out late and it just didn't bother me. I was like, you know what? I'm focusing on me and you guys can, can deal with whatever's going to happen the rest of the night with him drinking more and more and more. Um, so that was, a, those are a few of the things that I started to do. I was reading books about codependency um, codependency is something I learned a lot about. I highly recommend looking into that. The book Codependent No More was um, very eye-opening for me. Realized how much of a codependent I truly was. That I really like fed off of his addiction. It became part of our marriage and part of my identity was taking the lead, taking control. Like I, I'm you know I'm the one that does everything around here, and I kind of relished on that and was proud of myself for being able to take it all on my shoulders and that fed my ego. Um, so that's, you know, kind of describes what codependency is, but that's a hundred percent what it was doing. And, um, I stopped kind of allowing that to control me and realizing that I get nothing from taking on all this burden. It's not helping me. It's not helping him. Um, it's making everything worse. So I started to kind of let him see the consequences of his own actions. I stopped texting work for him to call out when he wanted to call out. I made him do it himself. Um, things like that. Small things where I did kind of start to stick up for myself. Um, and then the kind of big thing was I went on uh, another vacation. One of the few that I took by myself. One of them, the last one, was I went to Key West with a very good friend of mine um, and was there for a week. And there was a lot of, we were there for a good amount of time. And there was a lot of downtime where I was just kind of sitting by the pool and sitting in my thoughts, listening to music. Um, and at one point, a thought came to my mind about my marriage that I ended up texting to my therapist because it was so profound in that moment. And what it was is I thought to myself, how can I continue to heal myself when I'm married to him? When I feel like being married to him is the perfect example of all the things I need to heal in myself. And what I mean by that is being married to an alcoholic, being married to someone with a drinking problem, being married to someone who's not treating me the way I feel like I deserve to be treated and not sticking up for myself and allowing this to continue. I, I want to be better. I want to heal. I want to stick up for myself. I want to set boundaries. And this man isn't really responding to me doing that and is continuing to treat me poorly but I'm staying married to him. So why, why am I doing that to myself? I know that it's not what I deserve. Um, so that really hit me. And I really meditated on that, thought about that, journaled about it, and just really came to my peak of frustration and peak of this 
I'm like, what am I doing to myself and why? I've tried to make change in him. I've tried to express my feelings to him and it has gone nowhere. So what do I do? I'm at this this crossroads. I need to make a decision. I can't keep going down this path for the rest of my life. Like I need to make change for myself. And I just at that moment was like this, I'm ready. So then we're about to, to leave Key West to come back to um, New Jersey. And I... Um, I did not ask my ex to pick us up from the airport, even though I knew he would be home. It was a Sunday um, because I knew he would likely use that as an excuse to not see his son that day. Like he would just message his son's mom saying, yeah, I have to pick Rebecca up from the airport. So sorry, not going to be around today. So instead of allowing that to happen, I, I said, we'll figure out a way to get home from the airport. We'll Uber. And then the morning of that flight, so it was a Sunday morning at 9 a.m., I'm messaging him, and he told me um, through text that he wasn't going to be seeing his son that day. So I said, oh, wow, so we our flight gets in at 4, t- uh, 4 p.m. tonight. Can you pick us up from the airport? And he texted me back in with like a shock kind of sound to the text saying, you, didn't have, you don't have a plan for how you're getting home from the airport? And I said, well, we were, we were thinking of Ubering, but if you're home, you can pick us up. And he wrote back, Uber it. That was the text, Uber it. And I looked at it and it was like the final straw. It was what I needed to see to know that this man does not prioritize me. I knew exactly why he didn't want to pick me up. He wanted to drink all day. He would not drink and drive because he never wanted to risk his license, which, you know, thank goodness. But he wanted to drink and he chose that over picking me up from the airport. And I was frustrated. And plus he had gone another weekend without seeing his son, which I had told myself, if he does that, I'm going to say something to him because again, I was prioritizing that relationship. I wanted him to have a good relationship with his son. And I said, if he doesn't see his son while I'm away, I'm going to say something to him. So now I had two things. Not only did he not see his son. So I feel in my mind, he chose drinking overseeing his son, but also he didn't prioritize picking me up after a week away from your wife. Don't you want to see her? Can't, aren't you so excited to go pick her up from the airport? No he chose drinking. So I was ready to say something to him. I did not immediately show my frustration through text message or a phone call. I waited. I said, I'll wait till I get home and we'll have this conversation. And all day, super anxious about this because, oh my gosh, I cannot even put into words how scared I was to have this conversation because I knew it was going to be confrontational. I knew I had to stand up for myself. So we end up, my friend calls a friend after we landed at the airport, she calls her friend and says, Hey, can you pick us up? Cause Uber is like $80 to get home. And she's like, Oh yeah, I'll come get you. Now that is what a true friend does or someone who really cares about you does. And that was another slap in the face of like, yeah, this is what someone who really cares about you would do for you. So I get the ride home. Now it's like five o'clock at night. Um, and I'm walk inside and I'm hungry. I haven't eaten all day. So I went and grabbed food. First thing I did was grab some food out of the fridge. And he says, you know, how was your trip? Acting like everything is fine. And I said to him, I'm a little upset with you right now. 
And he says, why? And I said, it's not that hard to pick your wife up from the airport. And he immediately got angry and he had been drinking and I knew that. And I knew this probably wasn't the right time to bring it up. But I mean, I have to be honest and real and stop hiding my feelings. So I brought it up and I, I said, it's not that hard to pick your wife up from the airport. And he immediately got very angry um, and said, you know, you didn't give me advance notice. You know, I need to plan these things. And I said, I asked you at 9 a.m. You know, you, you had the whole day. And he just, I can't even remember what he said, but I know it was yelling and anger. And he got to the point where he stood up from where he was sitting and he marched over to me, staring me dead in the eyes with so much anger in his, in his face, because I was not backing down because I was saying, no, I don't like this. You didn't treat me correctly. Like I deserve better. And he did not want to hear that. And he took the plate out of my hand. Thankfully, it wasn't glass. It was one of those Corel dishes. But he took the plate out of my hand and he threw it at the wall. And my food went flying. And I, in that moment, was like, oh, I'm getting out of here. Um, and I saw my suitcase all packed up. Um, but it was summer stuff. This is now end of October. So I, I just brought my suitcase upstairs. You know, I'm continuing to, to, to tell him that, you know, I, how I felt. Um, so now we're arguing as I'm trying to pack my stuff and he's pulling our pictures off the wall and throwing them and yelling. And I just did as fast as I could. I packed my suitcase, got rid of the, the summer stuff, put in winter stuff, grabbed my work things, grabbed my dog, my dog's food, et cetera, the things I needed for my dog. And I'm piling all the stuff by the stairs that go down to the front door and now he's taking my bags and starting to throw them down the stairs. And I'm just, I can't even believe the chaos that is happening that I, you know, I knew this was not going to be a fun conversation, but I had no idea it was going to escalate like this. And I was scared. I just knew I needed to get out of there. And I like, I didn't even care that he was throwing my things. I was like, fine, I'll just grab them. I'll pick them up and I'll go. Um, and then I get out of the house with my dog and my suitcase and all my stuff packed in the car. And I turn around and I see on the top floor, we had a balcony that was screened in and he's cutting the screen out of the balcony and throwing all of my clothes out in front of the house. And now it's Halloween. So there's children and parents walking around watching this and I'm mortified, but I just did not turn around. I just said, forget it. I'm going. And I got in my car and I went. And that was, oh my gosh, I was overwhelmed. I was crying harder than I've ever, ever cried because I was just scared and so thankful to be out of there. Couldn't believe what actually happened. Because again, I was scared to have this conversation all day and for good reason, because wow, that was way worse than I ever imagined. And no, he did not lay a hand on me. I was not abused, but I was scared. And that to me is abuse. It's, you know, he verbally abused me and I, it was traumatic for me. Um, and I was so grateful that I was getting out of there. And I told myself in that moment that I was not going back unless he was a changed person, unless I knew he was healed, not, you know, th thinking about healing or talking about healing or thinking about quitting. I wasn't coming back till the work was done. And I stuck to that. 
And, uh, you know, every conversation that we had from that point forward was about healing, about how I realized from my work that I've done, the podcasts I've listened to, the books that I've read, therapy, I've learned that I have so much healing to do. And in that moment when I left, it was like the biggest sense of freedom ran over me of like, oh my gosh, I got out. I did it. I left. Oh my gosh. Now oh, it was shock. It was pure shock and just so much emotion. I was over overwhelmed with emotion, but I knew it was in that moment. It was just so clear that I made the right decision. And I'm, I knew I wasn't going back unless something dramatically changed in him and in me. And I wanted to work on myself from that point forward. And I was hoping that he was going to do the same. And so really for like the next couple of weeks, um, we, we talked on and off and he, you know, of course was begging for me to come home and I refused. I just said, I'm sorry. I need to work on me. I, I have, I cannot heal with you and you cannot heal with me. I was adamant about that, which is so interesting looking back because I just felt like I had the right words to say. I was just speaking from my gut, speaking from my intuition, not allowing anyone to change my mind. Um, because so many people were saying, you know, like, what if he, what if he gets into rehab? Like, will you give him a chance? Why don't you work with him? Talk to him. And I just wasn't hearing what I needed to hear from him to know that he was really going to make change. And even I just was, I was free. I was out. I'm not going back. Do you know what I, that, that part of me that I was stuffing down, it's finally free. I feel like I felt like a bird now I'm not going back. And, um, yeah, I just really knew, I knew very quickly that I didn't want to get back in that situation. And this was October. And then, um, in November, two weeks later, his father passed away. And that was, I've talked about this in previous episodes and I've blogged about this. It was really hard because now, you know, it was sudden. No one saw this coming. It's his father. What do I do? How, how do I be there for him, but not go back to him? How do I console him, but not go back? And it was just, oh, I mean, and, and on top of that, I loved this man. I still do that. I mean, he was a second dad to me. So it was really, really, really a hard, hard time. Um, and that, you know, it was really the beginning of my spiritual awakening, which I've talked about a little bit. I'll talk about that in a separate episode. But things just started to shift for me at that point. Um, but I stuck my ground. I still continued to say, I'm not coming home. I need to heal. You need to heal. Um, and we continued to talk to each other on and off after that point. Um, and I told this story, you know, in my other blog where we went and did ayahuasca together, which was a huge turning point for me. Um, and then, you know, things kind of just started to, to fade, I guess, from there, I would continue to keep in touch with him here and there trying to pray that he was healing and working on himself. And every conversation I had with him was kind of just, I'm still hearing the same things. I don't feel that he's really doing healing as much as I would need for me to go home, for me to go back to him. And, um, after a few more months, I made the decision to ask him for a divorce. So, um, that would, I left home in October of 21 and asked him for a divorce in August of 22. So it did take me some time and I was off traveling, doing my thing, um, starting my journey. 
um, accelerating my healing. So um, I just, I just never had that feeling of like, I really want to go back. I do often miss him. I miss our friendship. I miss his, you mean, he's funny. He has a great personality. He's really fun to be around. Um, but I don't miss being his wife. I don't miss the mistreatment. I don't miss um, the feeling alone, the lonely feeling I had in that relationship. I feel less alone now and I'm not in a relationship um, because I'm learning to love myself. I'm learning to love spending time with myself. I'm um, fi figuring out who I truly am and kind of stepping into my purpose here on this planet. So, um, Okay, that that pretty much wraps up the story, the two part, um, two part podcast of being married to a man with a drinking problem. Um, there are so many other details that you know I probably won't share. That's you know for now anyway. This is this is all I care to tell is kind of the overall general relationship, how things started, how things unfolded, and how things fell apart. Um, but in the process. I am so proud of the amount of growth and healing that I have encountered, that I have been able to take advantage of. Um, I just feel like I'm seizing each and every day now and I'm focusing on me and I have boundaries. And now even in, uh, you know, I've dated, I've met some guys here and there and I am not settling. If I see things that I don't like or that I feel like are not aligned with me and my values, I walk away. And I'm proud of myself for that because I never did that before. I always, you know, someone liked me, I liked them back and I made it work. But now, you know, it's, I realize it's okay to walk away because I don't need anybody else. And if I'm going to invite someone else into my life, it's going to be because they add to it. I'm not going to take on a project or someone that I have to fix or someone that, you know, says that they want to make change in their life. Maybe if they're doing the work, fine, great, let's do this. Let's talk about that. But I'm not taking on a project. That's not my responsibility. My only responsibility is taking care of me and making sure that I remain in this place of peace as much as possible and connect with God, connect with source as much as I can and remember who I am. Remember that spark inside of me and share it as much as I can. So this story was very, very hard for me to share. I still have tons of anxiety inside right now about it, um, but I truly hope that it helped someone out there. I hope that you can resonate with my words. And again, like I said at the last and the end of the last episode, if you need someone to talk to, please reach out. Um, I can, I can talk to you. We can get on the phone together, or I can at least give you resources, things that I use that helps me. Um, and yeah, keep tuning in to my podcast, my blog, because my growth story could continue to inspire you. And I'm going to keep sharing different tactics that I use, the daily practices that I do every day to remain centered, to remain focused on my healing. Um, so I'll share all of those details with you along this journey. So thank you for being here from the bottom of my heart. Really, you all mean so much to me. Um, and I love you. Talk to you next time. Bye. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you want to follow my journey on other platforms, please follow Empowerment and Sunshine on Instagram and Facebook and find my blog and Etsy shop at empowermentandsunshine.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, see the links in the description. Sending you so much love and always remember to keep shining.